0: Welcome into the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray, a locally produced program devoted to bringing you a fresh perspective on housing, diving into the issues that matter most. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray is presented by Mortgage Investors Group, and now, Kevin Ray.
1: Welcome into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. I'm your host. I'm here with Mark Griffith, our executive producer and co-host. Thank you so much for stopping by. We're thankful for the opportunity to spend a little time with you, and we definitely want to tell you how to plug in with us, you can go to thehousinghour.com. That's where the treasure treasure trove of information is, and you can also share uh, our series with with friends and family. You can find all of our past shows. Um, We've had some incredible guests, and we're thankful for them taking the time out of their days. And today we have a special guest because we're talking, as you all know, we're in our five-part series with The United Way, and we're talking with people who are involved with the United Way, who believe in the United Way, who have um, some history with the United Way, and we've had a great start to the series. We had David Brace, the board chair, um, on the first show, along with the CEO and president of the United Way, Ben Landers, and then we also, of course, had Bruton, who was the one who helped design the website, and Randy Boyd, who is um, really a great uh, ambassador for the United Way running for governor. and We got him last week as well. And now we have a former chairman, but more, more importantly than that, I think, is the voice of the Vols, Bob Kessling, in studio with us. Bob, thank you so much for coming
2: in. Thanks. I'm not sure that the voice of the Vols takes precedent over being the uh, campaign chair for United Way because that does so many things. They're both important roles, but the United Way was really something special to do.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. And I remember when you came to our kickoff a couple of years ago, and it was so important because MIG has always been involved with the United Way, but you really had a lot of great stories to tell. And, um, you know, the United Way, Bob, I think that people that are on the outside looking in, some people know a lot about the United Way, but there's others that don't. Um, And what we've tried to make the point each show is we've tried to really harness the energy of each person and what they felt about the United Way, because you and in your role, um, you really went out there and went after it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was probably a lot more time than you had anticipated. But first, why don't we do this? Why don't we just give us the 30,000-foot view of, of your participation with the United Way, what it is that you got involved with it for, and just sort of start from there.
2: Well, it goes back quite a ways. Uh, really, I had talked to uh, Pat Summit and Bert Bertelkamp, and the, you know, they were past campaign chairs, and they told me what an impactful thing it was for them to do that. Uh, Joan Cronin and I talked to her a lot about it, and so then when Ben Landers uh, and Bert corralled me one morning for mm-hmm. for breakfast and wanted to know if I would do this, you know, your initial reaction is, "Well, yeah, that's a lot of time. I'm not sure I got time to do that." And then you sit back and think. Well, they only ask busy people to do this stuff because, you know, hopefully those are the people who get things done. So I, I thought about it. I said, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. And then, of course, then they lay out what you have to do is the campaign chair, which is a lot. But I was like a lot of people. I knew kind of what United Way did. I knew they helped a lot of people, and it was a good, good thing. But when I became the campaign chair, I actually went out and went to every single agency. I remember you saying that. Yeah, I went to every single agency, and I saw exactly what they did in the community. Mm -hmm. And what it left me with was how impactful these people are. Now, these are people that get up every single day, and their only goal that day is to help somebody else. Mm -hmm. That's pretty inspiring. That's inspiring. And they don't do it for much money, Mm -hmm. and they don't do it for the money. And then then you get involved with, with the United Way in terms of, well, how does the United Way help this, this different agency? Uh, whether it's Helen Ross McNabb, whether it's the, the YMCA, whether it's the Boys and Girls Club, whatever, uh, Epilepsy Foundation, whatever foundation it is. And then you find out that the way the United Way is structured now is that these agencies, have to go to the United Way and say, "Listen, this is the program we want ad- to do. These are how many people we're going to help, and this is the funding we need from United Way." And then they have to come back after uh, you know their, the term of their of their grant is done, and then show the United Way, well, what did, you know, what did you do? What did you help? What did you produce? How many people did you help? Mm-hmm. And do we need to go forward with this program, or do we need to go to somebody else? And mm-hmm. so. Uh that's the one thing I think that people need to know, that the United Way, it's not just, hey, I'm going to give this group a bunch of money, and then they're going to go out and buy stationery, and they're going to go pay, pay postage, and they're going to put up a new sign outside their building. It has nothing to do with that. All the money the United Way generates – uh, goes to help programs right. to help people, and that's the one special thing about United Way.
1: I, I like to, there's so many things about the United Way that I like, and this year I was also asked to be involved more than I had been in the past, and I was asked to be on the campaign cabinet, mm-hmm. which is an important role, and it certainly um, is something that I love doing, and I enjoy working with the the folks over there, their their heart, Bob, you can just sense it when you talk with them, when you have been in a conversation. Um, he loves what he does and he does it with passion. And I love that. And that, I feel that about you as well. But the other thing, a lot of people say, well, okay, all of these organizations and these agencies, they have more than 112 programs, which is what we fund. There's other programs that they have. Why doesn't the money go to those other programs? And and the real singleness of purpose is that they try to they try to specifically hone in on three important areas. And that I think that that's important for people to understand. And did you embrace that? I'm sure, obviously, you did. But talk mm-hmm. a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, I, I think that when you look at the, the focus of the United Way, I mean, they want to make sure they get the biggest bang for their buck. And, mm-hmm. you know, education is so important. They want to make sure that these um, people get a chance to not, and not only about. Uh, formal education, but education in the subject matter that you have. For example, if you're suddenly your child, you find out he he or she has epilepsy. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Mm-hmm. I don't know what to do. Right. I mean, I wouldn't know what to do. Right. Well, so you go to the United Way, and United Way says, okay, here are the agencies that can help you. Here are the phone numbers. Here Here's who you need to go see. And then they get you on a path to get things accomplished. Mm-hmm. And... Uh the United Way is so impactful in that aspect of the fact that they kind of give you guidance. There are people there that will help direct you. you, too. Yes, and educate yeah. you. And I think that's one of the biggest things they do is the educational aspect of all of this.
1: Yeah, and then also, you know, health as well, mm-hmm. because even though we have – um, the centerpiece, of course, of the United Way is, is in my mind, it's the accountability. But then you have the three prongs, you know, education you mentioned, mm-hmm. and then health, and then also financial stability. And sometimes those 112 programs, that's what they fall within. And I think that's so cool because um, we went to the Salvation Army, which I know you've also toured, and it was an, really an inspiring moment when you went into um, where these uh, battered women basically um, have a, a new chance at life, and they have the opportunity to take the tools that are given to them and make a new life for themselves. And I think within that program, they're learning all three things, education, financial stability, and definitely health. Yeah. And that's just an example.
2: Well, you know, the, there's just that cycle. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these people that are you know, I I, I kind of say when I was going around talking to people, and I still say it, you know, the goal of the night away is to get people that are on bad teams on good teams. Mm. And there are a lot of people, and it, maybe it's not their fault um, that they're on a bad team. You know, maybe they grew up and their parents were on drugs or they were abandoned or you know, whatever, their foster child or whatever, mm. but they're, they've are they been put on a bad team and it's maybe not their fault, then the United Way tries to get them on a good team mm-hmm. and, and they can do that. But there's that cycle a lot of times that people get frustrated, people, uh, what they thought was going to happen doesn't happen, and they have a tendency to give up. Well, the United Way, I think, can help these people that are desperate, and, you know, out of money, don't know where to turn. They can at least put them on a course for success. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that's a that's a big thing United Way does. Now I'm
1: sort of going to put you on the spot a little bit, but cause I didn't ask you this in advance, yeah. but during your time, when you through went through all those agencies and your experience as the campaign chair, is there, is there any stories that you might be able to share with us? Maybe that you saw somebody being impacted or how it, how even how it impacted you yourself emotionally, mm-hmm. because I, I have been emotionally charged on each of my visits and we only have two minutes left. So maybe you could start that and then yeah. we can finish it on the other.
2: Well, time. there's a, there's a center out uh, off Middlebrook Pike for senior citizens Mm. that are homeless. Mm -hmm. And these are seniors that have probably done exactly what they're supposed to do their whole life. They've saved money. They've done all this kind of stuff. And maybe one of their children has drained their finances and have, and so they're out of money Mm. and now they're in their seventies and they have no money and they have no place to go. And so there's a there's a, a center out on Middlebrook that takes these people in that tries to get them back on on their feet and mm-hmm. get them a plan. And I mean, to me, that was heartbreaking. I mean, here people that these are these are hardworking people. These are people not on drugs. People don't have problems. They just don't have any money, and they're in their seventies. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Mm-hmm. And uh, so United Way tries to help them and help the center. You know, take care of them and get back on their feet. So yeah. there are a lot of great stories. out.
1: There. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll get to another one, too. That's a very good one, because and Mark, you can relate to that. Just be seeing uh, you have um, people who in, in your life that you've helped and, and they're such at a desperate stage of their life where they do need help. And they're they're needing somebody to help come in and help them, and so that that center for people who don't have the resources that maybe that Mark has or that his you know parents had and things of that nature that is a very significant thing. And there's 51 or so other agencies that are doing something else that are helping enough people to fill Nealon Stadium. That's an amazing statistic. Mm-hmm. Well, we're here with Bob Kessling, the voice of the Vols, and we'll be right back after these messages. I've never
0: done Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again,
1: Kevin Ray. Welcome back into the Housing Hour. Again, it's Kevin Ray. I am your host here with Mark Griffith, our executive producer and co-host. Thank you guys for joining us. This show is brought to you by Mortgage Investors Group, MIGOnline.com. Definitely go there and you can connect with us uh, anywhere across the state of Tennessee. We're here today with Bob Kessling, the voice of the Vols. Um, Bob has a long history with uh, this area, obviously, I believe you went to Beard. Did I remember you went to
2: Beard? No, no, I went to high school up in Ohio and came oh, down here and uh, walked, on. walked on the football team oh, in '72. So, uh, yeah, so I've been here since 1972. Wow, yeah, you know, I've been really fortunate too because in in our business, most times guys stay three or four years in one spot and they go to another spot right. and they broadcast. But I've been uh, able to. Stay gamefully employed since uh, about '74. In fact, started here at WIVK. But uh, you know, I went to Channel 10, and now I'm at UT. But I've never had to move my family. You know, did I did, Bobby didn't hire you over here. Uh, Bobby Denton hired me up on Bearden Hill back wow. when uh, IVK used to be over There's there. There's the beard. And that's where I. That's where yeah, I'm Bearden up. Hill. So uh, <laughs> no, so but I was there. You know, when Claude Tomlinson, I did the morning sports with Claude Tomlinson, Claude the Cat, and then uh, mm-hmm. afternoon sports with Bobby Denton. So what a pair! I started that's out incredible with you could survive those two guys. You could do about anything. But and
1: I even remember back in the day, whenever you would be um, doing, I guess for the Vol Network, but maybe you were also working at WBIR. I can't remember, but I remember you doing after game interviews mm-hmm. with players. I don't know if it was like what Tim Priest is doing now, but but it was a video.
2: Yeah. So I, I used to do uh, the, the post game stuff, not only for Channel Ten, but I do it for the. The Johnny Major Show and okay. the Philip Fulmer Show and all That's this stuff what it must have been. Yeah, and then I went off to then started doing Jefferson Pilot, the SEC, sure, uh, of course, uh, yeah. football and basketball and games mm-hmm. on the weekend. So. Uh, yeah, but I've been really fortunate to do a lot of different things, but I've never had to move my family, and that that's has been it has been really neat. So that's awesome. It's a great place to well, call home.
1: let We want to get back to that in just a minute, but I do want to ask you one more um, story. You mentioned you had another story because stories of what ties us all together, you know. Yeah. So tell me what what else you have.
2: Well, there was another place that kind of uh, uh, really impacted me, and um, when we left UT and Ben Landers was with me, he took me across the bridge there on the. Uh, Chapman Highway, we're heading out, and it's just right over the bridge from UT. and You turn right in this place called East Tennessee Technology Center. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about it. And what they do is that they have guys that are retired, engineers, and things like that. And so, if you have a handicapped child that comes in there and maybe they can't use their hands or they can't do different things, they will take toys and design them. So, these kids with handicaps can operate these toys. Wow. And you figure, you know, a lot of times you go, well, gotten these got, he's got all these great toys at Walmart and Target, these different places. Well, if your child has a specific handicap, they can't use the toy. So, it depends on, and it depended on what their handicap was, um, they would design these toys. And it was just unbelievable and people uh, adults that maybe are having a hard time they're losing their vision mm. then they would design computers that would help them with their different deficiencies so they could use still use their computers and mm. whether it was big screen or big type or whatever they had to do to rework that computer they would do that mm. and then they would take um, if you had um, lift chairs uh, for example if uh, if you had a relative that passed away they would take your lift chair and go out and find somebody that had a uh, wow. that needed a lift chair. There was motorized scooters. Um, mm-hmm. They told me a story that there was a, a gentleman who was on Broadway and he was in a motorized scooter. He's you know paralyzed from the waist down, and he hit a some kind of um, rain drainage guard, and not only did he fall out of the scooter, but it bent the wheel mm. on his uh, scooter. Well. He knew to call the East Tennessee Technology Center, and that afternoon they had him another motorized scooter That's out there awesome. to him, and uh, lift beds and all kinds of things for people. And you think, well, maybe, well, how expensive is a walker? Well, with insurance and all those complications, mm-hmm. you know, it can be kind of costly. Well, they've got a whole garage full of them, so you mm-hmm. call them, and you've got a scooter, you've got a cane, you've got for so for people that with no money, this. Place is a godsend, because Mm -hmm. it just, and it's right across the bridge on Chapman Highway. Didn't have any idea was there until I went out and visited them. So, Mm. that was another impactful place, the East Tennessee Technology Center. Yeah, and you can go to their website. It's ettac.org.
1: And they receive seventy five thousand from the United Way. That's a big number, and that really helps a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And that's not something that those folks would have been able to have the help if it had not been for the United Way. And well, but
2: like can that. you imagine the joy of a parent who is dealing with with the the trauma and the the all the difficulties that go along with having a handicapped child, mm. and you can't see their face light up and play. With, and suddenly you take them there. And they they see a Elmo doll or something like right. that, and suddenly they can figure out how this child can use it so it works. Mm. I mean. It brings tears to your
1: eyes. It really, does. It really does. He, and with two kids, I know that some of the impact that these agencies have made on me have, have maybe been different from someone who does not have kids. I think, um, because I can see it through the, the eyes of my my child. Mm-hmm. What if this were to happen to my child? What if this this came about in our life? And and that is specifically to the point of it because you know we're all just one. Person removed from someone who's impacted. You know, hundred and five thousand people that that the United Way impacts every year as the result of what the United Way does, and I think that's that's amazing.
2: Well, they also the statistics will tell you that somebody in your family will be affected by a mental illness. Mm-hmm. Somebody, some branch of your family, mm-hmm. and so now what do you do? Well, we have the Helen Ross McNabb Center here mm-hmm. in town. Right. And so you direct them to the Helen Ross McNabb Center. And then, again, they get you on a good team and get you down a path to help you find a solution. And um, so, again, th- that's another blessing we have here in this town, that the yeah. Helen Ross McNabb Center is just it's a fabulous place. No,
1: I don't know. I think you raised the bar on on earning on, on money raised, but you know, thirteen million four hundred and fifty dollars is the goal this year, mm-hmm. and so that's what Ken Lowe, who is the chairman um, and CEO of Scripps Interactive, so he set the bar pretty high. And but you know, you look at all the agencies. You know, you were talking about it last week, Mark. The Boys Club. That's just one that helps kids, Boy, Scouts. Boys, yeah, yeah, Bo- Boy Scouts. Boy Scouts. Yeah. Excuse me. Um, Peninsula Covenant Health, uh, Second Harvest. Um, you mentioned Helen Ross McNabb, Salvation Army, Emerald Youth Foundation. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. And so if the people that are out there listening, they want to learn more about the agencies and learn more of how they can give back, you can go to uwgk.org. And Bob was a, a past chairperson of the campaign. And just learn more about it. You know, share this show with friends and family. At least they will know about a couple. East Tennessee Technology Center. You know, and that's really what we're trying to do is to be sort of a conduit between what we know and then what other people don't know. And so that's why and Bob, in a moment, you're gonna have inside the studio Rebecca from Susanna's house, mm-hmm. which is an amazing um an organization in its own right. And we went and visited there yesterday and they're impacting women who have Um, some drug problems and they have an incredible system in place
2: well and again they were relatively new united way agency i think it's second year maybe they were were,
1: i think now third year now third year
2: um but they um you know rebecca just uh, we i talked to rebecca and i said have you ever thought about being a united way agency well i don't Mm -hmm. know how you do that and all that so we went she over there. we're good friends. Well, we went over there and we sat down with Ben Landers and they kind of talked her through the paperwork. Now, you know, and it's kind of intimidating at first yeah. with all the paperwork, but then when you get it through and then you get the grant, I mean, it's it's but again, you have to prove to the United Way that you're going to affect these many people and you're going to help these many people and uh And she did that. And so now it's another um, agency that's added to the list. Yeah. And that one
1: specifically really touched my heart, just looking at what exactly they're doing, because that's really the hands and feet. And that's really doing what it is that, you know, the people in that situation, they need a place like Susanna's house, you know? And and I love it today. I love what she does, and I'm excited about having her. Well, we have only a couple of minutes left in the show. And before we let you get out of here, we want to talk just a couple of minutes about some Tennessee football. All right, we, all right. You know, so, Tennessee, now, the show that is being aired this weekend, you may be listening to it live. So, Bob is calling the game as we speak.
2: Let's but, hope Tennessee's up 14 nothing right now <laughs> as if they flip over and get an update on WIVK.
1: Right. Now, without talking about the Georgia game, because that's going to be something... That's happening currently. Um, You know, what do you think the state of the affairs affairs are? I'm still very, very confident, Bob.
2: They've got talent. I mean they've got they've got two quarterbacks. They're still trying to break in. They've got an outstanding, dynamic running back. They've Mm -hmm. got some playmakers on offense at the wide receiver. So there's a lot of potential you know we, you know how it is this is a 24 hour cycle and when you have a game oh, everybody just thinks it's either the greatest thing ever or it's the worst thing ever there's very seldom is there any place in between that yeah. so you tend to overreact and of course fans want to win every single game and you want to win it by 24 30 points and that mm-hmm. doesn't happen very often so uh, i you know you just try and keep telling everybody let this thing play out let's exactly. go play a couple more sec teams and and, and see where they're at. And, you know, you forget these are 18-, 19-, 20-year-old guys that are out mm-hmm. there playing, and uh, they make mistakes, and they sometimes things don't go the way they want them to. But uh, they're trying, and they're fighting hard. I mean, nobody feels – probably worse about the performance last week than the players. Mm-hmm. I mean, they thought that everyone's going to get a chance to play, and they're going to win by 28 points, and and it, sometimes it doesn't happen in sports, and that's yeah. that's why you play every week. But, I, you know, I think Coach Jones is doing a great job, I and mean, just stay behind him.
1: Yeah, and I mean, hey, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm a, I'm a Butch Jones fan, <laughs> and the fact is, we have had a lot of things go against us, and the, the tide is turning, um, and I think that we have a lot of opportunity, and there's a great bunch of talent over there. So, with that being Said, I am gonna say goodbye to the voice of the balls, Bob Kessling. Thanks.
2: Thank Good to, to see again. you again. Thanks for having me on.
1: Absolutely. Guys, stick around. We'll be right back after these messages.
2: We all need somebody to
0: lean on. Lean on me. When you're not the housing hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again. Kevin Ray.
1: Welcome back into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. I am your host. Thank you so much for stopping into the Housing Hour today. Have uh, Mark Griffith, our executive producer and co-host. We are so grateful for the opportunity to have you guys come in. And um, it was really nice having Bob in. I, I tell you, Bob has been around for a long time and he's done a great job uh, with as the voice of the Vols and um, his time with the United Way. I tell you, it's one of those um, people that when you think of the United Way, whether or not Uh, he, uh, thinks this himself, he represents the United way very, very well. And I tell you, um, they're, they're just doing some great work, uh, through, through the United way. And, um, today actually we have in studio as well, which I think is one of the, um, principles to why it is that Susanna's house has become what it is now. She has a lot of volunteers and she has a lot of people helping. Um, but we have Rebecca Fetzer. Is that how you actually say it? That's right. It? Is that how you say it? Okay, yeah. good. Well, there you go. Um, she's in studio with us. Rebecca, thank you so much for taking time to come out today.
3: Well, thanks for having me on.
1: Absolutely. And you, you and Bob are good friends. And you guys, we saw each other in passing. It was a nice uh, a time there for you guys a moment, just catching up for a second. And Bob was an important piece of helping you get involved with the United Way, I understand a little bit.
3: Bob was. Uh, he actually called me up one day and he said, "Hey, have you have you ever thought about applying for United Way funds to help out Susanna's house?" Mm. And so I said, "Well, yes, but I'm not real sure how to do it." Yeah. And so Bob actually took me over to United Way one day and and we talked to principals over there and. I learned a little bit more about how to how to make that application process. And so we we dove in headfirst and that's did it. That's cool.
1: And that's exactly yeah. how Bob actually put it. That's yeah. wonderful. Well, so Mark and I had the opportunity yesterday. Mary uh, from the United Way took us to Susanna's house. Susanna's house is over in Mechanicsville area um, yeah. in Knoxville. And it's in the heart of an area that um, it's a beautiful area. You can just, just right around the the hill there you can see um you know the whole downtown area it's yeah, incredible yeah the, the first time the sun i was the
3: first time i was ever up there i went around to the back of the property across the street and mm. and was able to see the entire city and no i just kidding. thought i was just reminded of a, actually of a scripture when jesus mm. wept over the city mm. and i looked out over the city and i thought well, you know we've got to do this thing mm. and this is where we're going to do it
1: that is awesome and Susanna's House has a mission and their mission, um, if you want to talk about it, but my my whole thought when I was uh, walking through there and listening yesterday, um, I felt that your heart was not just in the right place, but it was motivated for helping. And talk a little bit about Susanna's House, what, what their mission is. What's your mission?
3: Our mission is to help women who are struggling with addiction to opioid drugs and their children mm. uh, to, to get clean and sober from those drugs and to be able to be the parents that their children need. Um, we were motivated by the crisis that was escalating in Knoxville four years ago mm-hmm. when uh, the opioid crisis certainly has, has skyrocketed. Uh, so many pregnant women have been caught in that, and babies are being born who are um, afflicted with neonatal abstinence syndrome. Which is a it's a very difficult withdrawal period that, that newborn infants go through.
1: Mm, yeah, and you mentioned yesterday um, briefly that you know we've not even been able to study so far really what the effects are for a child who has went through that
3: right um, long term long
1: term. Right. But what you guys really are are prepared to do is to care for that child after they've went through the the, the medical side of it. But while the mom is going through education, uh, therapy, and other life-building skill learning opportunities, you guys are caring for that child. Exactly. And, and that's talk a little bit about how that works.
3: So we have um, we we do have an intensive outpatient program for for these moms who are struggling. Um, we have licensed therapists who come and who who work with our moms full time um, on their issues. We have classes for them. We have two meals a day, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, when they come for classes. And then, while they're doing that, then we have the children in childcare, mm-hmm. and they're in. The, we have two different areas for them. We have a nursery area for the little bitties mm-hmm. who are not walking yet, and then we have a preschool area for for babies after they're walking. Mm-hmm. And so we're working on 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 developmental things with them as we go, also, and and want to even be able to focus more on the trauma that they have gone through and, and on some educational things that they're going to need to succeed in life.
1: Mm, And you mentioned too, that, you know, during the school year, you know, it's, it's pretty manageable because you have mm-hmm. a set amount of zero to five or six year old or, you know, whatever that age bracket is, mm-hmm. you know, during the summertime, you mentioned you had 37 children, you know, one week or one sort of season. Um, and so you're able to, and I, we, we, we visited, you know, your, your operation and you have a great area for your infants You have a great little play area for, for your, for your toddlers. Um, And then you also have an incredible playground area in the back that Mm -hmm. really is a great environment for people who are, are, who are of need of spiritual healing. Right. Um, And you're an intensive outpatient treatment center yes, is that what you basically are That's and what how are. much do you charge the people to come
3: we charge zero dollars mm-hmm. and zero cents there you go they will never get a bill from us for anything yeah. uh, our child care is free our meals are free our treatment is free uh, and we don't charge their insurance either
1: how are you able to do that
3: the only way we're able to do that is with people like united way with uh, individual donors who are so in love with Susanna's house and in love with the moms there that they're generously giving to Mm. us churches in the area, different uh, community organizations and sororities and so forth in the area Mm. who are giving to us out of their hearts and out of their heartbreak.
1: Mm. Well, when we walked through, um, Mark and I were down in the um, you have an area; it's sort of a, a a little store for the moms, and they have Susanna Bucks, mm-hmm. and they have an allocated amount, and they can purchase items for their child. And, and I thought it was amazing. And Mark, um, because of the visit, he's now partnered with his wife, and his wife now has a van full of stuff. I think is what you t- told me.
0: Yeah, she loves to collect yeah. uh, new clothes mm-hmm. for and to to give to any organizations that you know willing. So they've they've given, uh, I think. 2,400 pounds of new clothes and sent them to Honduras to an orphanage down there, wow. my, my wife and her uh, our daughter. So they interested awesome. in doing that.
3: And that, that is a great ministry. And we're very mm-hmm. excited to partner with with your wife on this, this because
1: uh, yeah. she's a
0: shopper. Oh.
3: <laughs> she's a professional shopper. That's right, exactly. <laughs> that's awesome.
1: <laughs> I think it's great because, um, I mean, really, that's how we do this. And you hear of a need. And, you know, if God calls you to do that and, and you feel that stirring in your heart, then then you, you take the action steps to do it. And I could tell Mark was on a mission. He took a couple of pictures. And then I, I know that your wife is jumping all over it. But back to Susanna's house, you know, when you walk into the home and you, it really feels, and let me ask you why you did this first and foremost, I kind of think I know, but let me ask you, you feel like you're coming into a home and Susanna's right. house. What was the philosophy behind that?
3: You know what a lot of our moms didn't didn't have much of a home mm. when they were growing up. And so we wanted to provide a place that would be absolutely open and loving and not judgmental for these moms because my goodness, when you think about the things that they have gone through, the traumas that they have experienced in their lives, they need a place where they can relax and know that they're safe.
1: Mhm. Yeah. And the safety factor too. And, you know, Knoxville is a very safe community. Certainly there's pockets of areas, but you just, I felt very comforted and, and safe in, in, mm-hmm. in that home. And I mean, you, you're up sort of on a hill. You, like you said, you can, the sun sphere is right there. You can see it's beautiful up there.
0: And it was warm. It, we yeah. felt the warmth and the love when you walked in and all the rooms, they were just laid out. I just felt really mm-hmm. comfortable. So it
1: does have, I mean, you could feel the air conditioning too. I'm just kidding. It was but cool. I know what you meant. Um, <laughs> and, and the other thing when you go through, so you, you walk in and you have this beautiful, um, little sort of, for your area, but it's sort of like a living room, is what it feels mm-hmm. like. And you have the fireplace, I believe, right there with the with the beautiful paneling. And and then you go further, and then that's where your dining room is. Right. And so the dining room has the original hardwood floor. You really feel like it's just like you mentioned a home. And that's where the ladies will actually congregate for breakfast and other meals. Correct.
3: Right. And their and their children too, and mm-hmm. all of our staff. We all eat together at lunchtime, and so uh-huh. we always invite people who are interested in seeing Susanna's house to come mm-hmm. at lunchtime on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, because that's when we're all free there meal, together. Free meal for your mark, if you yes. want Free to. meal. So and we have an excellent cook.
0: Oh, <laughs> I was going to ask you, if you're the one cooking. Um, I
3: am not. That's the one thing everything. I
1: don't do. <laughs> yeah, she does a lot of things. Well, as we were touring, I was um, getting to know Rebecca a little bit, and <clears throat> she is a licensed therapist as well. I think yes, is what you said. Yes. So you have not just the the management of the home, but you also uh, wear several other hats. I mean, what you sort of have to do. I mean, mm-hmm. you're a, a three for three years. You're a fairly new. If you were to look in terms of age, you're a fairly new organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and and with that comes a lot of learning. Um, and so what I'd like to do too is as we go through just learning more about you is to talk about what your vision is for the future. Um, I think that the vision for your future from what Mark and I talked about is really, really amazing. And I think it's going to be a a great impact for the, not just, not just the ladies that are affected, but also the children as well. So we're going to continue talking with Rebecca from Susanna's house, and we're going to get more information about that right after these messages.
0: Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray.
1: Welcome back. Welcome back into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. I am your host. I'm here with Mark Griffith, our executive producer and co-host. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We are so thankful um, to have this five-part series on the United Way. Had Bob Kessling just in the previous couple of segments, and now we have Rebecca from Susanna's House. Um, it really been a great experience, and I'm so thankful that um, yesterday she just uh, you know, it was like four o'clock and she said, yeah, come on over. And she gave us the whole tour and, and Mark and I plan on going back too, cause I'd love to be over there and sort of see things in motion. Um, it was great to see what was going on. And um, I wanted uh, for you, Rebecca, to talk a little bit about um, some of the other things that you provide that uh, your mothers. Um, and then maybe also what do you, what do you want to do in the future? Cause you're, you're an intensive outpatient currently, but you have some, some ideas you feel, that you're being led to take out, take on uh, next.
3: Absolutely. We, we provide for our moms a, a thing called the, the four stages of change methodology. Mm-hmm. And in each of those four stages of change, the mom has a number of activities that she has to do or things that she has to produce that are part of her recovery. And uh, so we use all kinds of recovery skills that they have and relationship skills and those kinds of things that are in in those four stages of change. They move from one stage to another, and by the time they get to the end, we want them to be able to have um, the educational skills that they need, the job hunting skills that they need. We want them to be working. We want them to have their driver's licenses back if they've lost their driver's license. We want them to have some kind of transportation we want them to be able to parent their children in the way that they need to. So those those are the that's that's the program basically that we have there now.
1: Mm-hmm. And you, when you talk about the future and, and and encompassing like this, this is a huge deal because if a if a mom comes in, she's really mm-hmm. sort of laying her heart out, and saying, I, "I want help. I want to be a part of this. I want to." I want to commit to this and sometimes committing to something. And I always remember Inky Johnson. He would always say that, you know, a commitment, making a commitment, is really long after the mood that you made it in has left. Mm-hmm. That's what staying committed is, you know, and being part of the process, not just a product. The product is great, but the process is most important And your process. The four steps of change. That's so vital. And you told us an alarming statistic yesterday, which was that 18 months it takes for, um, a, a, a lady's or a woman's brain to start healing from to
3: begin these, the healing to process. even begin the healing right. process.
1: So this is a long process.
3: So yeah, we're not a we're not a 28 day program. We are right. a much longer uh, process. Each woman takes it as she needs to. Mm. However long it takes her to do it is what it takes her to do it. Right. Um, our moms are highly motivated. They're mm. highly motivated, and and they they are committed to change, and they are committed to being the moms that their kids need.
1: Yeah. And there's so much more to the story, but I remembered you telling us a story as well. When you had, um, I guess you've, you, you have the property, you're standing maybe in the living room and in, and, and it was just sort of, the moment where you started to reflect, you know, this is what, what was, what do I do next? Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about the story that you, you told us okay, yesterday, well, please.
3: Yeah. I, w- I was standing out on the front porch and, and the building was basically torn up because we, we came in and re- refurbished it. It had belonged to the, uh, to Wesley house community center previously. Mm-hmm. And so we came in, we were refurbishing the, the, the building and it was all torn up and I was standing there just thinking, you know, we have so many things we need to do and, this is a great idea, but oh my goodness, how in the world are we gonna ever pull this off? Mm-hmm. And as I was standing there thinking about that, praying about that, a couple of dragonflies started flying around my head. And mm-hmm. I I felt like that was a strange thing because I hadn't seen anything like that since I was a little girl at my grandmother's house and she had a creek that went by her house. and So I didn't think too much more about it, but then the next day I was in my backyard and a dragonfly came and lit mm-hmm. on the back of a chair. Mm-hmm. And uh, then a couple of days later, I was driving down Grigsby Chapel Road and a couple of dragonflies were flying over the windshield of my car. And so I was just like, well, what is, was, is God trying to say something to me in, in this? And I remembered a story that was told by Walter Brueggemann, who is a great theologian and, and a wonderful storyteller as well. But he told the story of a of being in his boat one day and a, a black beetle being on the back of his boat. And he went on fishing, turned around later and looked at the black beetle and the back of the beetle broke open and this beautiful, translucent dragonfly came flying up out of the back of the beetle. And mm-hmm. as it turns out, the life cycle of the dragonfly is is that. It lays eggs in the water. It becomes a little swimming nymph thing. And then that nymph becomes a black beetle that floats on the water, crawls up out of the water, and has to have sunshine in order to hatch the dragonfly. Mm-hmm. It's the oddest thing. You know, it's one of those nat- uh, thing- uh, weird things in nature. And I was told... Earlier this week, that the dragonfly has actually been on the planet longer than the than the uh, uh, dinosaurs were. Wow! So that's crazy. But anyway, he's he said at the time when he told the story, if God would do that for a lowly dragonfly, would God surely not do something like that for us? And so I thought about our mm-hmm. women and the transformation that they go through. And I felt like the dragonfly was a great metaphor for their lives and what they're going through.
1: Yeah, and you've themed a lot of the areas and a lot of the rooms. Mm-hmm. You have one on your on your necklace and um, mm-hmm. with the dragonfly. And I'm sure that you teach the ladies that story and tell we them do. about it. And and I also thought about you mentioned the sun shining on the beetle, and that's really what I see. Susanna's house is doing is is providing that sun to help the transformation occur. Because without the sun. Um, you're not going to have transformation. You'll just stay kind of where you are.
3: You'll just stay and, a black beetle. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. And, you know, I just really was Im- impressed by that because, you know, you always want to have a reason for believing. And and most people have a story in their life that, that affected them sort of that, that, that pivot in their life. You know, they have that fork mm-hmm. in the road and I'm not saying this was your fork in the road, but for some ladies who hear that story, by golly, that could motivate them in such a way that it could be a fork in the road for them.
3: It could be. We actually have a group there on Thursday afternoons called the Dragonfly Group. Mm-hmm. And the girls themselves named it, and the girls themselves run that group.
1: That's cool. So it's a
3: 12-step group that they that they run. and uh, So so yeah, they get it. Mm-hmm. They totally get it.
1: Now let's talk in the remaining moments about mm-hmm. the future of oh, Susanna's wow, yeah. house. Because we don't have much time left. We have just three minutes, but okay. um, you're intensive outpatient treatment that you're currently doing. Of course you would prefer that to be an inpatient treatment where you can just be there and you can have them there all night and you can protect them in that way. But sometimes everything doesn't, Exactly go the way you want it, but you know that God has a plan. Talk about what your what your vision for the future is, and what steps you've taken, and what we can do to help.
3: Okay, well, we have some property next door to mm-hmm. Susanna's house right now that we feel like is big enough to house probably maybe sixteen women and their children, mm. um, and we really want to be able to build on that property. Um, that's that's the one of the primary things, one of our our biggest uh, motivators. For these women being able to change is having them in a safe housing situation mm, and a place where it's transitional type housing. And then um, probably the other thing program wise is that we're really wanting to focus in on, on our kids and to be able to do this trauma, trauma informed preschool program. Mm.
1: So it's really a two-part setup, and right. in, in, in what you said is profound because it's a holistic approach to helping mm-hmm. the need. And there's a there's there's a a physical sort of a medical need, but then there's also a spiritual need as well. And you're really right. treating both of those.
3: We are, we ha- our program, and I'm very proud to say this is faith-based and is also mm-hmm. evidence-based, mm-hmm. so that we we do the the best treatment that we can find anywhere, and we also are able to talk about God and, and what God can do in their lives as well. And, and they can't do it without both.
1: Yeah. I like the fact that you said that because the evidence based is important because, you know, the, the fact is we have um, a lot of, of data on what can help people um, recover and, and what we can do, at, you know, as an organization like yourself to make effective change. Mm-hmm. So there's the faith aspect of it which you believe you, you know, God's going to take care of you. But then like God said, and, and, and I heard this um, story, you know, you say, yes, I'll help you move the mountain, but here's the shovel. You <laughs> didn't realize the shovel was laying there. So he's going to give you the tools to do and make effective change. And so that's where the evidence based comes in. Mm-hmm. And so you have people on your staff, licensed uh, individual therapists. The ladies re- are required to go to at least one yes. per week. Yes. And we you've do. had have, great success.
3: We have licensed therapists, And we have a a full-time social worker who helps with the wraparound services, too, Mm -hmm. for all the women, the housing needs and the clothing needs and the food needs and all that.
1: Well, I tell you, um, and I I speak for Mark, I guess, since we're running out of time, Uh, it was really an inspirational uh, afternoon that we got to spend with you. And I'm sorry if I took too much of your time. but No, I'm really, thank you so much for yeah. coming.
3: We, we love to have people come. Yeah,
1: and we, we, we plan it. to do more of that. Thank definitely. you so much. And, and Rebecca's been kind enough to give us her time. Rebecca Fetzer with the Minister of Discipleship, but she wears more hats than just that. She's at Susanna's house. We'd love for the opportunity to tell you more about that and the United Way. And we're going out to the Big Orange Song of Rocky Top. Hopefully they're beating Georgia right now, but either way, we're thankful And we'll see you next time right here on the Housing Hour.